Welcome to No Direction Beyond, your home for Starfinders news, reviews, and interviews, and I'm told that we're even a podcast. I'm Alexander Agunis, No Direction's Everyman Gamer, and I'm joined by, as always, by the most intrepid Starfinder this side of the galaxy, James. Hi, I'm James. I used to write Code Switch. <laughs> Did you like that? I switched it up a little today. I know, I, my timing was all off. <laughs> yeah, you were like, no! And, uh, you know, speaking of switching things up, we're switching up what we're talking about today, because the last couple of episodes we've done have been all about Starfinder First Edition. And that means that we haven't had a chance to go over some of the new Starfinder 2 news. Yeah, like the playtest and the fact that you got to play some. I did. I went to PAX U like two weeks ago, and I sat down at a table and played the new Starfinder 2nd Edition demo. It was the first release of Starfinder 2 in the wild. Uh, my group was very fortunate. We got seated with Jenny uh, Jarbzowski, uh, the, the senior developer at Paizo. So I got to see Starfinder firsthand from one of the people who was helping create it. Oh, that does sound good. That's how, Was the rest of your yeah. table good too? Uh, it was. Uh, so I, we actually had Tim and his brother, Jake. Uh, Tim and Jake are from our uh, Horizons of the Vast came. And then we also had a random guy. He was a very nice man. Good, good. <laughs> um, uh, it, it, it was very weird sitting down there because like Tim and Jake haven't really played second edition Pathfinder. Mm -hmm. uh, and this other guy claims that he has, but he was like, it was like watching one of the, the, the Chamas, the tank engine trains chug along, watching him play. He did a good job. He was, but he wasn't me because I sat down at this table. I glanced at my character sheet and I was like, "Hmm, yes." <laughs> and then my turn would roll around, and I probably played the less, star, the the least amount of Starfinder Second Edition at the table because I was like, "Action one, boom! Action two, boom! Action three, boom! Done." <laughs> Next person. <laughs> and, the, and also, I I I'm so grateful that Jenny like had patience with me because like whenever a rule would come up or was like written and a thing i'd be like hey jenny does this do this like it does in pathfinder second edition and she'd have to be like yeah or i think and it was good it was a lot of fun infinite patience yeah infinite patience with me and like i i didn't mean to make it feel like that she was being interviewed in the middle of a convention after not sleeping for a day and having like a chug of coffee like 20 <laughs> ounces of coffee in front of her but like i'm sure that's what it feels like and jenny if you're listening a i'm sorry for mispronouncing your name like one minute ago and b thank you for putting up with me <laughs> but before we talk about the pax you stuff i think we should go over the mystic since the mystic is like the big cool special there's been one field test announcement that there's like the third one is supposed to be coming soon and it's going to feature um uh, ancestries they gave us all out a survey everybody had to pick the ones they wanted to be in the field test james did you participate in that yeah i think i selected the uh android and the barathus those are sensible picks tell me about why you picked them uh because androids are cool and barathus are funny i i agree i've heard a lot of people pick barathus because barathu is arguably one of the weirdest uh ancestries ever to be introduced to the second edition engine uh Conrasus are pretty weird too. They're plants that are imbued with Aeon souls. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Very weird. Uh, but so, like, people want to see what a flying jellyfish alien is going to look like in Starfinder Second Edition. I think that's very valid. Uh, mine, I'm, I'm very basic. I picked uh, Patras because I wanted to see how they were going to make Patras different from cat folk, <laughs> which I think, I think it's a good question, right? Yeah, that like, is. <laughs> and and i picked um the versatile heritage that was the drift one 
the, like you, you're infused with the powers of the drift. Oh and yeah, your the skin. Is, yeah, your your skin is rainbow, and your body is extra LGBTQ. Love it. <laughs> um. So yeah. Uh. But with that out of the way, we'll be expecting that ancestry thing in the future. For now, let's look to the present and the the second edition stuff. James, you want to take it for uh, away? What do you want to talk about first? Uh, well, the field test itself uh, starts off with mm-hmm. an introduction uh, to like what is happening and the and the like goals and design of Starfinder. Yeah, uh, and I think you you had some good thoughts on that when we were talking in pre-show. Oh, I do. Um, James and I did a, an episode on the soldier, and one of my big critiques on the soldier's first field test was that the very first page of that book felt like it was. It, it was a sales pitch to second edition fans rather than an explanation to first edition Starfinder fans. And I feel like this first moving forward package here, like paragraph set in the first PDF of the field test two, I think that like ameliorates most of my concerns. It is, it is very much speaking to Starfinder fans here, which I, I wish that's what they did in the first one, but I'm glad that they fixed it here in the second one. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's there's a I'm I'm sure a significant difference in the uh, amount of players, so I get it. Oh, definitely. I'm I'm positive that we're the smaller niche group. You know, like I feel like the size of our books and the the print run schedule kind of prove that. <laughs> yeah, not not that that's wrong. It's just you know you got it. It is just the uh, way the world works. Yep, absolutely. Um, so let's take a minute to dive in and talk about the uh the actual class here i think the first thing that everybody's talking about is the fact that uh the iconic changed sort of yeah i mean it's it's still a uh a sheeran but it's a different sheeran yeah. do you know who this person is uh i i see the name chick chick but it does not ring a bell he has a baby too look at no look at his staff look at his staff it's broken this is keskadai's baby the one that he oh. carried around with him all throughout first edition wait it's been I... that long in the setting <laughs> Yes, in the setting, it's been long enough for him to grow up into an angsty teenager. He is an adolescent iconic. And uh, is that what is he holding? It looks like it looks like another youngling, an angsty teen teen parent. I guess maybe I don't know. I, I don't know why <laughs> he's holding that, but I can tell you that 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 weapon he's holding uh, from the playtest demo that I did that's called a pain glaive. It's basically a chainsaw polearm, and on his pain glaive is the canister that his father used to carry him around in. Ah, I mean that is cool. It's it's a deliciously yeah. orky weapon. It's something I don't think you'd expect from other Sheeran art. Absolutely. Um, his character sheet. Tim actually played the Mystic, so I got to see this class in action. And um, the his backstory is essentially that I, something must have happened. We were told a little bit about it, but uh, Shellen apparently goes into the dark tapestry in between the two editions to try to find Zonkuthon to find a way to like cure him. Mm-hmm. And she comes back, transformed herself into Zon Shellen. Huh? Yeah. So uh, they're considered an amalgamate deity of like the two of them together. And she, uh, and he is basically described as the deity of like, of adolescent angst is the best way to put it. It's like it's like artistic. It's like suffering for your art, like the the, the bleeding artist. Like oh, like it's it's really funny to, to see him played like that. It's 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 good. It's not a um, phase. It's not a phase. Yeah, essentially, it's 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 not a phase. The god, um, very fun, and uh, I was very excited to see that. So let's talk about some of the breakdowns on the statistics of the Mystic class. 
The Mystic's key attribute is wisdom. They get eight plus con hit points per level. They have initial, they have trained in perception as an initial proficiency. They're also trained in fortitude, reflex, and an expert in will. They have uh, trained in one skill that their connection picks. They're also either trained in nature if they are a primal caster or religion if they're a divine caster. They're also trained in a number of additional skills equal to two plus your intelligence. So that's a pretty typical skill array for a spellcaster. It's not super special in the second edition engine. They're also trained in simple weapons and in unarmed attacks in light armor and unarmed defense. They're trained in spell attack modifier and spell DC and in mystic class DC. That is a very typical breakdown for a spellcaster in second edition. Ah, and uh, with the trained uh, expert, um, what what do those signify, uh, like functionally at the table? So they're called proficiency ranks, and they represent how good you are at whatever that rank is in. Uh, if you are uh, if you're not proficient in something, you're untrained. You don't get any bonuses to it. If you're trained, your bonus is equal to two plus your level. If you're an expert, it's equal to four plus your level. If you're a master, it's equal to the next number, six plus your level. And then at legendary, it's eight plus your level. So it's basically just like a stat. Every time your proficiency goes up, it's a flat plus two bonus and on top of your level. And if you do not have any type of training in it, you are quite bad. <laughs> just like hope, hope the luck hits. Yes. Oh, well, eventually like the numbers and because I mean, you got to remember you're adding your full level. So okay. like by level 15, it's 15 plus two, four, six or eight. So like by decently high levels if you're not trained in something you shouldn't even try because you're probably not going to do it um i know that's one thing that some people don't like about the system there's actually an alternate rule in a game mastery guide to get rid of the level edition but uh as a baseline rule that's what that means okay gotcha because I, I i know i had to dive back in a little bit to uh to yeah to, to get that into my head definitely definitely so uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, the connection. Would you like to start with that, James? Uh, yeah. So there was two connections, and now they kind of make sense because I did not uh, know that uh, deity uh, merging there uh, between healing and yeah. rhythm. Yeah. Uh, the I'm trying to remember what exactly each one does because uh, I did read this about a month ago when we thought we had <laughs> enough space in that episode, and that was that was a dumb thought. I, we did not have that yeah. much time. We we are not always intelligent. We are smart people, but we're not. We're intelligent people, but we're not always smart people. Yeah. So, uh, uh, what was it on page nine? It was they were saying. I don't. I'm not exactly sure. Each one gives you different powers. Uh, the healing allows you to heal better. Um, yeah. Yeah. And the rhythm is allows you to perform. Basically, gives you bard stuff. Um, kind of loose memory there. Yeah. So like. Um, connections kind of work like uh, Sorcerer Bloodlines in Pathfinder 2nd Edition, wherein you are going to get uh, what's called a focus spell for it. Um, a focus spell is essentially a spell that doesn't use spell slots. It spends a focus point, aptly named, and you regain your focus points whenever you use a 10-minute action to refocus. It's kind of like a spell that you're pretty much always going to have in every fight you get into during the day, but you can only cast them so many times during an actual encounter. Uh, the maximum number of focus points you can ever have is three, and you get a focus point whenever something gives you a new focus spell up to a maximum of three. Okay. Hey, that's yeah. free spell slots. I love free spell yeah. slots. 
and it's infinite like you you can only do it like a couple times in an encounter but once you just sit there and take 10 minutes to like meditate or contemplate existence or uh scream about having no parents then you get it back <laughs> you you laugh at me that is that is essentially like that that batman depiction in the lego movie is essentially zonchalon <laughs> It, it was very it made for some very fun role playing because chick chick uh, tim as chick chick sang the batman no parents black cape like song <laughs> the entire time and then like during my turns i would stop i would stop chick chick and be like you have a father i adventured with him what are you singing about and he goes you're ruining my vibe <laughs> it's very good it's a, like i said it's a very fun it's a very fun character um, so that is essentially the one thing that you get. That's your baseline. Um, I guess you could call it almost like a sub path mm -hmm. in like D and D is what you get your connection. Uh, you also get an ability called mystic bond. Uh, mystic bond is kind of like a telepathic bond kind of, mm -hmm. uh, with the difference that you don't have baseline telepathy yet. I imagine that'll be a higher level thing, but at lower levels, you use a 10 minute activity to connect up to 10 willing creatures into your bond. It lasts until you or the bonded creature are no longer willing. So you could be bonded with them forever if you want to. Uh, like status. Uh, you're all yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, it also says you're also considered to be part of your own bond. So you don't count towards that 10 person limit. Ah, but do you yeah. count as your own ally? Uh, in Pathfinder Second Edition, no, you don't count as your own ally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, it was one of those funny rules in First Edition that everybody always argued about. So they were like, "No, got it, got it." Yeah, uh, it also says the Mystic knows the general distance and direction towards other bonded creatures and any conditions affecting them. It's basically status at level one. It's pretty good. That, that's good to know when people are dying and you can't see them. Yes, yes. Uh, you also get an ability called Vitality Network, and this, I've seen a couple of people in chat already call this, like, the best friend's friendship caster, and this <laughs> is why. <laughs> um, your Vitality Network has a maximum capacity of hit points equal to 6 plus 4 per level you have. You also gain an action that you can use to spend hit points out of the Vitality Network and put it into a creature that you can, uh, either a creature that's in your Vitality Network already or that is uh, bonded to you by Mystic Bond that you can see. Uh, range does not matter. Uh, actually, it's funny when I read this, it reminds me of a much more balanced version of uh, Dreamscard Press's Vitalist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh it yeah. does. It does. Yeah, yeah. James and I have a lot of experience with that. We played Reign of Winter, and one of our friends played uh, a one level dip into the, a Vitalist and the rest Shaman, and it was the craziest healer I've ever seen. It was it was nuts. Th this seems a lot more balanced, and it <laughs> seems like a more um, uh, usable in a fight yeah. version of the uh, first edition Mystics. Uh, Healing Bond? I'd never played yeah. a Mystic. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Uh, well, they get Healing Touch. Every Mystic gets Healing Touch, and, like, nobody would use it because it's 10 minutes to use it. Right. Like, it's like, oh. Um, yeah. But what's really cool about this is that your, um, your Vitality Network recharges as you're, like, participating in combat. At Initially, you get four hit points back every turn. Then it goes up to six when you become a master in your connection skill. And it begins, you get eight when you become legendary in that skill. And then anytime you refocus to regain your focus points so that you could recast your connection spells, it automatically recharges to full. Oh boy. Yeah, it's it's good. And the other thing that makes it really good is that transfer vitality is a single action that anybody in range of your network. So like they can be 60 feet in fifth and Japan behind a wall 
And if you're bonded to them, you could be like, I'm going to give you 20 hit points out of my network. Here you go. Enjoy. That should hold you over. Wow. Uh, yeah. Also, there's nothing that says you can't do it to somebody who is dying. That does like you don't break the bond if you are because you're not like you're still part of the bond. It says you have to no longer be willing. Dying doesn't make you <laughs> non-willing. So you could be like, oh, that my friend is down. Here's my whole network back into their body, which in Pathfinder terms is big because um, in Pathfinder, when you are like, when you check to see if you're dying, you get a thing called the wounded condition and you roll to see if your dying condition goes up at dying for you die. Mm -hmm. But when you fall unconscious in Pathfinder 2nd Edition and soon Starfinder 2nd Edition, your initiative is reset to be directly before the person that knocked you down. So you get a full turn from the point they knock you down in order to come back up. And what this means is that a mystic can literally just use a single action and bring you back up without your wounded condition ever having gone up, without you taking any dying penalties. You're just fine. Okay, you're good. Just, just stay there. You're fine. Wow. It's good. Yeah, it's 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 not it, it's it's interesting because it's not a bursty healer. The cleric is much burstier than this because they have like seven free heal spells that they can cast per day and heal is massive. It's so much healing. But this is just much more like it's a sustained healing and like it's very tactical and precise. I like it. I'm a big fan. Yeah, yeah. I, there is some interesting discussion in chat on if uh regain actions <laughs> is an action itself. <laughs> that is a good question i don't know <laughs> maybe someone should write that down and send it to like dustin or jenny or someone that, that's a good that's a good question yeah like um, in, in theory you regain your action pool at the start of a turn because you can do things but if you're not allowed to take actions like if you're paralyzed does, does that matter yeah, <laughs> yeah i would I, I and honestly it might be one of those weird corner cases where like they intend for it to work but they need to add extra words or Maybe they need to add extra words to clarify, like, no, you you will not gain your points if you're paralyzed. I'd like to know that, too. Um, Mystics gets the spellcasting feature. Mm -hmm. There really isn't anything special to it. Uh, the one thing that's interesting is that Pathfinder 2nd Edition is, gosh, it came out in 2018, I believe. So it's it's five years old this year. Oh, God, it hurts, it hurts me to think of. Yeah, it's five years old this year. Uh, and they don't have a spontaneous wisdom class. Huh. This is the first spontaneous wisdom class in this set, this this setting so far. Um, even uh, War of the Immortals will come out first, but that has the Animus class, and the Animus, I believe, is going to be spot is going to be um, prepared like a uh, like a druid. People in chat, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. I'm ninety percent sure I'm right, but I admit that during the uh, my playtest games, I played uh, Maui instead. What can I say? Except <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> Uh, next, uh, there's like rules for like heightening spells and cantrips. Um, heightening is basically downcasting, but in reverse, uh, you can make a spell at a higher. So you can make a spell at a higher level, sort of. Um, it's harder in Pathfinder unless you're spontaneous, because if you're spontaneous, you get something called signature spells where uh, your signature spells are automatically upgraded every level to you for free. But in second edition, if you don't have that, you can't like cast a spell at a lower or higher level than what you learned it as, unless you like learn it at that level. So like, it's not a big deal for wizards because wizards are nerds and just pull it out of their book and prepare it at a lower level. But like for sorcerers, you have to actually learn it at every level, unless it's a signature spell. So that's what the whole heightening paragraph is explaining. 
And then cantrips are basically uh, spells that you can cast at will that scale as you get more powerful automatically. They they automatically heighten for free as you get stronger, which is usually good. Yeah. <laughs> Um, spell repertoire is basically a class feature that explains how your spells known work. Um, <laughs> yeah, essentially. And one of the big things to know is that uh, the path the, the Pathfinder Second Edition classes don't have a spells per day table because every time you learn a new spell, you also gain a new spell slot of that level. Is how it works. Oh. Okay. So um, yeah. So it's it's very whatever how many spells you have is how many you know. And if you're a wizard or a cleric or whatever, you prepare them in those slots. And if you're spontaneous, you just spend them however you want. You're fine. Okay. Um. Yeah. And then after that, there are feats. You get a mystic feat every even level. You get a skill feat every even level. You get general feats at third level and every fourth level thereafter. Uh, that's all very standard for a uh, a character class. The one thing that is interesting about it is um, with the it's it's not with the feats. I'm sorry, it's with the next thing. I, I almost said something that I meant to say with men, with mental bond, the third level ability. Mm -hmm. uh, that one is essentially the telepathic ability. Like it lets your bonded characters communicate telepathically with each other. Um, what's interesting about that is. In second edition Pathfinder, telepathy is a much higher level ability. It's like you're getting on to like 13, 14th level in like fifth, sixth level spell slots. Oh. Um, I imagine the reason it's so much lower here is that Sheeran and Lashunta are going to be telepathic baseline. Yeah, it's there's, there's like, a couple telepathic races. Yeah. It's kind of like how in Pathfinder First Edition, telepathy is a bigger deal than it is in Starfinder. Yeah, and flight as well. Exactly. Uh, also, but what the really cool thing that you get is absolute bond at third level, which is when you concentrate your tele your tele telepathy at a bonded ally, and you invent them to temporarily understand the nature of your connection. If your next action after using absolute bond is to cast a spell, and one or more of your allies that you bonded with would be affected, you can either make it so that spell only affects one bonded target if you don't want to affect all of them, or it does not affect one of the bonded targets. Uh, and if your next action uh, is uh, only affects the bonded allied and transfers or reduces hit points, uh, the, the the vitality network regains some of the hit points that they lost. So oh. basically, yeah, you can you can make it so that um, it's I, I'm making sure that I understand this correctly because it says if the next action you use only affects the bonded ally and transfers or reduces hit points from your network, it regains four hit points. So like if you use absolute bond to concentrate on your friend and then use the transfer vitality action, let's say you send 20 hit points over to them, he gains 20, you're refunded four. Yeah, or uh, you're doing a different type of uh, healing and you get some yeah. back. Um, or, or if you get fireball or something, you can just exclude yeah. people. Yeah. And it's interesting. Well, it has to be that you, the, the ability has to take points out of your vitality network. That is the, that is the key. So I don't think it'll work on Fireball. Mm. But um, what's interesting about this ability is that it is essentially a multi-ability spell shape. Spell shape is the new term for meta magic because meta magic is OGL. Mm -hmm. uh, it basically means that you're changing how spells work. This is a spell shape, but it's not limited to spells, which is fascinating. Oh, yeah. Um, at third level, I mentioned you get signature spells that it's basically a spell that you automatically heighten and can cast at every one of those levels. Uh, at third level, you and every two levels thereafter, you gain a skill increase, which means you pick a skill and your proficiency goes up by one rank. Every rank you go up is worth 
an extra plus two unless it's going from trained to uh it's going from untrained to trained in which case you get your level plus two it's a much bigger jump but in general you're probably going to want to specialize those dcs get pretty hard uh at fifth level you gain an ancestry feat you gain another one every four levels thereafter this is very standard for how classes work in the three action system mm -hmm. and in uh at fifth level you gain mystic resilience uh, it basically just improves your fortitude saves to expert. One of the things that second edition and the, the three action system do is, you know how like in, in Starfinder at first edition and Pathfinder first edition, like you'd have like a table that lists your numbers at every level. Yeah. Yeah. This, instead of giving you a table that's like, oh, it goes from three to four. This gives you an actual class feature that tells you it goes up. Um, huh. Yeah. I, I, I think it's kind of a waste of space personally, but <laughs> Some people like it. Cool. I'm not the one who has to pay for the, to organize this. It's whatever. It might be easier for people uh, just because it's more laid out. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I was fine with the number chart, but considering you have to add your level to all of them, I get it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not everybody is a, is a chart <laughs> aficionado. I know I have uh, chart psychosis and I love them. <laughs> love it depends on the chart. I like player charts. I don't like GM charts. I love all sorts of charts. Give me charts. Yeah. Uh, so at fifth level, that's the last thing we know. These field tests only go up to fifth level. So now we're going to talk about some feats. Would you like to sample the 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 delicacies of the class feats, James? Uh, yeah, I mean, some of them are pretty standard. Uh, like you gain domain connections. Uh, you can get uh, like trained kind of in your signature skill for that connection. Uh, which gives you some more extra spells. Uh, you can get a favored uh, weapon, which increases its damage, similar to, like, favored weapons earlier. Uh, th there's some cool ones. I mean, I don't have mm -hmm. a huge headspace for 2e combat as much, because as, I just... My experience with uh, 2e is, was just being a heal bot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so trying to think yep. around how uh, you do these actions is still kind of boggling my mind. I eventually will need to sit down and... Uh, get get some playtime. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's it's funny because uh, I'm I'm thinking of that that team that you played in, and they absolutely did nothing but force you to cast heal spells nonstop. I mean, there they, wasn't many options. <laughs> it, it, one of the options was to just not jump into the murder pit. <laughs> I, I don't know. What, I don't know how there wasn't an option not to jump into a murder pit. <laughs> you you leave. Every, <laughs> you every, just leave. Everything is faster than you, or as fast as you. They were kobolds. They were slower than you. You, you, you all were murdered by so many more things than the kobolds. So that's, many that's, more things. That's, that's fair. That's very fair. <laughs> um, so going over some of the stuff that they have, deities domain is a very standard feat. Uh, champions get that. Um, so do clerics. Uh, it's a feat that gives that lets you pick a domain your deity has, and you gain that domain as a connection spell. It basically means that like clerics have a whole list of deity domains you can grab them too and you having deity powers is not necessarily part of your connection your connection doesn't have to be deific you have to literally take a feat for it to be deific which i like that i think that makes the mystic more interesting because it's not necessarily a a, a god worshiping class oh see i missed that part because i'm not familiar with how that works in with the champion okay yeah like like you could make a mystic and you could literally just take that fun ability that um your breadbasket cleric had where uh she could like spend a focus point to empower all of her healing yeah yeah okay yeah 
Um, similar, the, the 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 martial discipline feat is also a pretty standard feat, but I don't think champions get it because they're already proficient with most weapons. Right. Uh, this like if your deity has like a really weird weapon, this can let you grab it. This is very good in Pathfinder for deities that like have guns as their weapon because you could take this feat and be like, I've got a gun now. <laughs> you're definitely not the bad guy if your deity has a gun as a favored weapon i mean i i think that's actually true i think only bad guys have guns in pathfinder yeah. 2e is their favorite weapon oh i don't know about 2e but i know in 1e every uh, deity that has their favorite weapon is a gun is evil <laughs> either a demon or daemon i think there's two yeah um and then uh natural bond is it looks like there's going to be xeno druid orders it's interesting because there are druid orders in pathfinder in uh in um first and second edition like druid orders is like the big druid mechanic but in starfinder the mystic pulls double duty as the cleric and the druid so like this looks like this is going to be the the equivalent of that uh interestingly enough i i i don't think that anything on this list is exactly the same as like the pathfinder version um, but I could be wrong. I do know that glancing at this list of spells, all of these spells are in Pathfinder mm -hmm. first edition, which is cool. I'm good with that. And then it looks like uh, you start get one of the big things that this class does with like the network spell ability is that you start getting a lot of spell shapes that work with your bonded creatures. Mm -hmm. So network spell is like, oh, if your next action is to cast a spell with an, an area of range or target, uh, the spell, you could make that spell originate from one of your allies instead of you. Yeah, it, it allows you to do like shrouded casting with them. Yeah, it's very cool. I, I, um, it says, well, this might fool someone who only sees your ally into thinking they cast a spell unless you are hidden or the spell is a subtle trait. Any creature able to see both you and your ally can determine you are the source. Which I think that is interesting because it implies that if I go invisible, then I can just pre completely pretend and make your character seem like they're magic. Yeah, it depends. When you're, in, it depends if you have to talk for that spell, right? Because if you're invisible, they can yeah. still hear you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I don't want to go over every feat here. Honestly, yeah. there's not a ton of them, but there are some things that are cool and we should talk about. Um, Divine discipline is interesting. Uh, it basically. In, in Pathfinder 2nd Edition with the remaster, uh, becoming sanctified means that like your attacks have like the holy trait and whatnot. And this feat for Divine Disciple basically does that. So like if almost like at second level, you could basically become uh, the Starfinder version of a paladin now too. So Chaplain lives. Oh, nice. <laughs> also, it gives you yeah. healer harm. Yes. It, very good. Um. It and it becomes a signature spell for you, which means it automatically heightens. It's one of those spells that you basically learn at every spell level for free. It's it's good. <laughs> it's very good. Um, I also like spot healing, which is a reaction when an ally within 15 feet takes damage. You can immediately spend points from your vitality network on your ally. Uh, they gain hit points up to your level, but uh, you lose two plus the amount you transferred. So you basically lose two uh, plus anything you sent to them, which is fun. I like this feat because it's uh, reaction healing is something that is not easy to get, and it feels very unique to the mystic. Uh, vital vital boost is another good example if an ally within 20 feet is about to roll a saving throw and you have four or more hit points in your vitality pool you can give them a status bonus by spending four hit points that's pretty easy because you're just going to get those back on your next turn yeah but i hate that feat you do it's a plus one bonus <laughs> it's true it's very small this is this is this is rogue's dodge yeah oh my god it's a worse version of nimble dodge oh you're gonna hate when i talk <laughs> about the playtest. yeah yeah you're right 
I, I mean, like the concept of spending hit points from your pool in order to give them a bonus to a saving throw is cool, and I like it. But you're right that bone it, it would I, I would like it better if it would resolved after the fact. It's not. It's not great. <laughs> Never mind. I I rescind it. You're right. It is. Uh, that being said, Cloud Storage is probably my favorite feat here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you basically you can use your Vitality Network as a, a null as hammer space essentially. Ooh. You just take an item and you put it. Who disappears away? Um, nice. And as long as you have at least one hit point in the bond, any ally that is can bonded to you can pull items that you've put into the network out of it. Oh, players love that. Players would definitely yeah. love that. Yeah, it's it's going to be really popular. Uh, that that to me is one of those things that like I don't think it's going to be required to play this class, but it is going to be one of the most helpful things they do that is not power related especially as like newer players because everybody nobody ever remembers who has what and if you just give it all to your mystic and everybody can pull in your mystic's head it just moves over that part of the game for new players yep exactly exactly you could literally have the mystic be in charge of all of the items and they just put all the things that people might want to grab in there i love it it's very good um and yeah so there's a couple more feats we're not going to go over them all in extreme detail we're going to skip ahead to connections the field test has two connections one of them is the healing connection the other is the rhythm connection uh healing healing looks like it's based off of the first edition healer connection and rhythm looks like it's based off of the melophile Mm -hmm. um rhythm is about being able to uh hear the melody that moves the cosmos and resonate the connection to the power of audible rhythm and universal vibrations known as the song of the spheres which is something we've heard about in starfinder and then the healing connection is exactly what it sounds like. Rhythm is a primal connection. Healing is a divine connection. Uh, healing skill is medicine, and rhythm skill is performance. Uh, granted, spells include uh, analyze target, motivating ringtone, false vitality, vampiric beast for healing, summon instrument, sonic scream, noise blast, and enthrall for rhythm. What's interesting to me is that of these different spells, honestly, the ones that the one that has the most new spells is healing. Mm-hmm. Rhythm spells are all Pathfinder spells. Um, I I am interested to see if Summon Instrument remains because that seems like a cantrip that I would not want to get for free because it does exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> and it's Starfinder, <laughs> right? Like you can yeah. just go to an instrument store. Yeah, exactly. Um, now the healing domain's initial spell is called Vitalize. You could spend two to three actions to heal someone for hit points. Vitalize is essentially a focus spell version of the heal spell. Like it is literally the heal spell from Pathfinder, with the exception that it's D6s instead of D8s. And it can't be used to hurt enemies. It is so to me, this is actually very strong. Uh the reason is that it takes focus points. Those come back yeah. every time you refocus. You, you and you can have up to three of them. It's good. It, I, I like this. It is a lot like uh, the the first version of Healing Touch because it has a ten minute immunity. Yeah. And yes. Ten minute timer comes back. Exactly. It's 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 basically Healing Touch, but it doesn't take ten minutes, uh, <laughs> and it's it's very good healing. It's comparable to the Pathfinder Heal spell. I think this is good. Uh, I think it's going to be popular. And then the rhythm one is Song of the Spheres, which is a 40-foot emanation with emotion, with the emotion and concentrate and mental uh, tags. And then uh, you basically have to perform to, bol- to bolster your allies. You, it, it, it's a cup uppercase perform, so you have to actually make a performance check, uh, which means you are singing the Song of the Spheres. I like that. Uh, the DC is a standard difficulty DC of the level equal to the highest level target of your song. There's like a table in the in the core rulebook that'll tell you what that means. 
Uh, there's one in the, pa the Pathfinder one, at least. And how well you do determines uh, what the boat, uh, who is affected by the song. So, like, if you get a success, you hit that DC, you and all allies in your bond get plus one to attack rolls and damage rolls from one round. That's pretty good. If you get a critical success, the effect lasts three rounds instead of one round. Pretty good. If you fail, it only affects you and one ally of your choice. And if you critically fail, which means you fail by 10 or more, it has no effect. Okay, uh, we're, we're going to split on this. I hate that so much. <laughs> it is... I will say that it is Bard's song with extra steps. And, a lot of extra steps. And it's steps. a it's a bonus that you give as when you transfer vitality to somebody anyway. They're both status bonuses. So they want it. So back. wait. So you don't like the other one that triggers as a reaction? No, uh, under the rhythm connection, the harmony. When a bonded when a bonded creature's hit points are restored using transfer vitality, they gain a plus one status bonus to attack rolls and damage until the end of their turn. It's only one ally that gets the benefit of this if you do multiple, but it's the same thing that Song of the Spheres does without a failure chance. Interesting. Yeah, I see what you mean. Like, yeah. Mm, I, I agree. That doesn't, that wouldn't feel very good. <laughs> yeah, you spend these points and instead of, uh, you, you try to get more people and then you get absolutely nothing. And like, and I, th and I think the big issue here is that it's a standard DC of the, with a level equal to the highest level target of your song. Mm -hmm. well wait yeah what where would the target be the perform action doesn't have a list a target um i guess there's a chart for standard difficulty dcs well there there is but it says equal to the highest level target of your song this ability doesn't list targets it affects an area a 40 foot emanation so does that mean that the highest level person in a 40 foot emanation yeah i guess if you're if you're targeting and them as part of the song if you're if somebody you'd consider an ally yeah, I, I, they'd have to be bonded out. This yeah. this this ability is not worded well. This this actually needs a complete re redo because <laughs> it it doesn't do what it wants to do. You and this is going to have so much table variation. I see what it's trying to do. It's essentially trying to be inspire courage plus the uh the perform um the the the, the feat that lets you the focus spell that you do let's extend it lingering performance yeah yeah like th that is what this is trying to be as one connection spell and like i commend that but i agree with you if it's the same bonus type as rhythm and there's no failure chance to rhythm even if it's just one person but the song of the spheres has a scaling failure chance which means it's always going to get higher because at best it sets the dc based off of the level of the, the of the people in the area right yeah. your bonded allies which means it's always going to go up <laughs> because <laughs> your allies are always going to get better yeah this 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 is not okay uh, i hope it doesn't get printed like this i agree with you good catch <laughs> i was just looking at him like aren't those bonus types the same yeah this this to me reeks of this is balanced but this is unfun yeah those those two things aren't mutually exclusive i think one of the things we see often with the three action system is that because pathfinder first edition was so incredibly um i'm gonna be polite and call it janky at high levels uh, oh, that it don't work at high levels but it works it works <laughs> yeah. amazing it, it works amazing if you're like our friend mike who like will just pull whatever he wants it's like ah, oh, this will probably be fine and it's like a cr20 correct we're level 10 <laughs> but but like yeah no i i think that this needs to be redone and it needs to be redone with an emphasis on being fun to play rolling a dc uh, rolling a check that always gets harder for the same bonus because it's always a plus one it gets harder and the bonus never gets better that's yeah, not fun and, and it's just if you think back to the um 
the I want I want to say Biomancer, and that's totally wrong. Um, the Biohacker, where they're yeah. just like, yeah, we're just gonna have you stop making that attack roll to help your allies. It doesn't yeah. feel good to roll a t to roll to help your allies and fail for yeah. such limited benefits. I mean, if if you could I, just spend more of your vitality points to give them that, you probably would get more interaction with it. I don't want to linger know, on that too much because uh, once again, I haven't played the whole thing, but uh, looking at that makes me not want to use that ability. <laughs> Yeah, no, definitely. I hear what you're saying. Uh, it it's funny because it makes me it makes me think of something that Owen used to talk about on the show before, where he would talk about like lost institutional knowledge from people no longer like working, like just leaving the Paizo uh, before. Mm -hmm. uh, I know a lot. Of, I, I I'm sure some people who listen to us will like know Paizo is like the happy union company where everything is sunshine all the time, but like that wasn't always true. They had a lot of turnover back in the day, and uh, th that was one of the one of that result in a lot of institutional knowledge not sticking around and i wonder if that's some of it because like to me that like now now that you point that out and like i'm thinking about oh man because like i'm gonna get a, a plus one bonus to my perform checks every time but but my ally is gonna make the dc go up by one and mm -hmm. if yeah so i i agree i think that needs to be changed um i think that i think that your bonus will probably outscale it as long as you are constantly increasing your perform skill to the maximum proficiency but like that still doesn't feel good i agree yeah it's a plus one bonus and hopefully by the time you're at high enough levels <laughs> that it is only a 30 percent chance of failure you have better things to do with your actions yeah uh so let's look this book this book has tons of new spells we're not going to go over them in depth but we're going to talk about a couple of them uh i think that there's a lot of fun like tech spells that involve like let's call them puns like <laughs> doom scroll and motivating ringtone are very fun they feel very starfinder i like the analyze cantrip can uh, analyze target cantrip where you basically just learn biometric data about somebody that you target uh that's mm -hmm. pretty good um this is uh wisp ally that's a classic welcome back wisp ally you never really know with this because like sometimes they just drop stuff in the edition transfer for no reason and it's good to see you buddy i love you wisp ally you helped oh. me so many times did you see it, it heightens mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. at every spell level higher you create an additional wisp and when you sustain the spell you move all of them oh that's cool that's cool i like you good job with south wisp ally uh sonic scream and soul surge are uh, are also returning uh which is fun i overall these spells are pathfinder sector vision spells they look fine Mm -hmm. it's hard it's hard to say because they're all level two or they're all level, all level three or lower so it's like how how interesting really are you going to get out of that design space but the ones we have are good i'm cool what are your thoughts on the mystic based on what we went over uh, before we transition to me talking about pax you um i think having the ability to cast gun <laughs> is going to always keep you relevant um i do appreciate the increased uh ranged focus in starfinder and thankfully they're keeping that in 2e to keep you uh, relevant and with the three action system having to not have to choose between casting a spell and attacking it allows you to at least feel like you're trying to do things it gives you a lot of choices whether those choices are things you want to do is something entirely different but definitely it, it's it's different than uh than starfinder first edition where you had to do one or the other consistently yeah yeah i think there's a good chassis here and honestly this feels like a more faithful recreation of the mystic from first edition starfinder than the soldier felt of the soldier it does the soldier it still does feel, it still does feel like a mystic yeah, the soldier feels like somebody really wanted to make sure that nobody thought that this was just the fighter in space. 
uh, and made it so different that it that characters that you could make in the previous edition kind of don't work in the new edition. Whereas this feels like someone really likes the Mystic uh, and has a lot of experience playing with it and wanted to make something that was cool and unique and had its own play patterns that wasn't just a space cleric, but did it in a way that was like that is that that feels like it belongs to what the club like this feels like an improvement on the concept of the mystic in first this edition. feels like a pathfinder one oracle in so many ways yeah i agree yeah. uh this feels more like the pathfinder one oracle than the pathfinder two oracle <laughs> <laughs> yeah i went there uh but hey speaking about other places that i went to i went to pax U two weeks ago oh how did that go uh, it was fun. Uh, this this year was a lot better than last year. Let me tell you, I went with Tim last year too. Mm -hmm. And last year, like nobody showed up. <laughs> like you got to remember, like it was the pandemic was, I mean, like the pandemic is kind of an endemic now. If you're optimistic, uh, it's kind of hasn't gone anywhere, period. But like definitely like last year, it was like things were still opening up and people yeah. were still trying to like move on with the new normal where like this year was like, okay, yeah, we're going to rock and roll. We got to we got to keep our companies alive or we're literally going to die on the vine here. So uh, we okay. went and we saw, um, we hung out with the, uh, the Dwarven Forge guy. Dwarven Forge had a booth and literally oh. we talked to the co-founder and he showed us all of the stuff. It was really cool. Wait, is that the guy that does all the dungeon terrain? Yes. <laughs> I think I have, have a, a ton of that stuff. It, it's all like the really nice expensive one. I it's think, not your, yeah. it's not your plaster ones, but it's really no, cool. No, I think I got, From a raffle at Red Caps, it's really good stuff. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's definitely beautiful. Um, that was really cool. Uh, lots of dice. I uh, I got myself lots of uh, LGBTQ dice. Uh, I got rainbows. Really good. I should have had you pick. Sets. I should have had you pick me up some dice. I threw away six D six last time I played ba uh, BattleTech. On purpose? Yeah, they were they were they were doing me doing me dirty. Had to get rid of them. I see. They had to be punished for their sins. I understand. Mm -hmm. Straight in the trash. <laughs> Yeah, but honestly, the thing that I was most excited to do, uh, the thing that honestly I went to PAX U for in the first place, uh, one way to look at it is, is I spent $40 to buy dice and also sit down for the Starfinder 2 demo, uh, which <laughs> was fun. Um, so the demo, at the demo, they gave us four characters, and I was very excited because the Mystic was there, but it was the only character that, like, we had a field document. The other ones were the Solarian and the Operative and the Envoy. Mm -hmm. I played Navasi the Envoy. It was Ooh. very fun. Uh, um, uh, SF is returning as the operative. It looks like uh, I hate his art. Oh my god, I hate him. Uh, <laughs> they took all they, they they took all of his clothes off. They put him in a unitard, and like he's got his android toes sticking out, and they're the it's the worst feet I've ever seen. <laughs> like I can't I can't look at him. <laughs> like it it actually revolts me. Like I. I <laughs> I, I don't know, like, I, I, I'm, I am not a foot person at all, and, like, his feet are the worst feet. Like, <laughs> I, I, I hope so much that's not his art for this class. Because, like... Uh, Alex, okay. if, if it is, I'll buy you little stickers of shoes and you can put them in your books. Please do. I, I will need them. I, I, will, <laughs> I will write to Dustin and be like, Dustin, do you need to commission shoes for this man and send them to me as stickers so I can modify my core rule book? This is horrible. Um, <laughs> But the class wasn't horrible. Just that art. <laughs> um, then uh, the new one, the new character is Dai. Uh, I think they're assigned female using they, them pronouns, but I didn't really read the character sheet all that much. Uh, they, they are a Patra. 
and they have the best new art. So there you go. Mm, mm, uh, mm. They are the new Solarian, uh, which is great because Altronus is, he's not the worst iconic, but he's kind of the worst iconic because like the problem with Kasatha is that they cover their faces so they can't express themselves, mm-hmm. right? In artwork. And uh, that and that's not 100% true. Um, we haven't done our Ports of Call review yet, but uh, James and I have been looking over the art and there's this amazing piece of art in Ports of Call of the iconic biohacker trying to make a smoothie and messing up and splurting s- smoothie all over her face. And <laughs> like the, the, the level of expressiveness the artist captures with her face covered is impeccable. But they never managed to do that with Altronus. Altronus only ever got to be the the silent badass, and he was not interesting. So I'm glad that they're throwing him out and picking a character with a more interesting design. Uh, very clearly, it's a Patra, so I'm imagining Patra will be core in the core rulebook. Pretty sweet. Let's talk a little bit about the mechanics, James. Okay. Which one should I talk about first? You get to decide. Um. Uh how often bonuses and penalties came up in your combat okay i'm going to answer that about bonuses and penalties but i'm going to go to chat because mirror wolf said altronus and harsk fighting for worst iconic iconic that is not a contest it's not harsk is a million times better than altronus that is harsk so is, wrong oh my harsk harsk is only bad because somebody built him as a crossbow ranger and that build is terrible (laughs) harsk has a personality harsk likes to drink tea he has a badger he does dwarf things i know more about harsk and having never played him or read any of his media than i know about altronus and i am a starfinder master of ceremonies altronus is the worst iconic by a lot in my opinion altronus is a cool guy who likes meditation he's just like a jedi he's a tryhard Harsk is just a man that disappoints new players at the table when they're like, why does this not do anything I want? The man is just an instrument for frustration. <laughs> I've heard his build in second edition is OP. Uh, you know, I'm glad they they made it so that players that, that get one chance to play Pathfinder uh, go, man, maybe I want to do this again instead of saying, why did they give me this thing? <laughs> do you remember our friend Casey who like decided he wanted an all Harsk cable and would try to ask everybody to play all Harsks? <laughs> Oops, all hearts. It's, it's anyway, stupid. It's the best tables all Kira's, because that's funny. So you asked me about bonuses and penalties. Yes. And it's funny that you asked me about that, because the Envoy is receiving the get-em mechanics still. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I was not able to determine whether or not it was a feat, or whether it was, like, a core part of the class, because there are there were very clearly two things that were like, oh, these could be feats, and then there was a third that I'm like, this is probably a class feature. Mm-hmm. And I think Getem was a class feature. I think all envoys can get them. And what Getem does is that you target someone with Getem, and they take a minus one penalty to their AC circumstance. Okay, okay. It's good. It was very good. It was It was helpful. But that's not what makes Envoy cool. Uh, I'm biased because I was the one who played the Envoy. I thought that the Envoy was the most innovative of the Starfinder classes that I've seen. Because for the Envoy, every ability that you have, uh, anything that would have been an, a, an improvisation in first edition is now called a directive. That's like their, the demo name for it. I don't know if it'll stick, mm-hmm. but I liked it. It was fine. Every directive has an ability called lead by example. And what the lead by example does is that if you take a specific action before the end of your turn, your directive triggers its lead by example. So forget them. If I get them somebody and then I shoot them, 
my allies get a plus one bonus to damage them in addition to them taking the status penalty. I also get that penalty too. Every single directive was like that, where if I did something related to the directive, if I led by example, something good happened. They're like mesmerist triggers. Yes, exactly. And so, but, but not creepy. (laughs) (laughs) So the other one, the other directive that I had was called get in there. And so what get in there did is I spent one action and me and all my allies gained a plus five foot circumstance penalty to our speed until my next turn. If I then used my next action to stride, which is to move, Uh then every ally around me that got my benefit could spend their reaction to stride up to half their speed or step. Huh. At level one. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And so like literally what happened was, is like a sniper started shooting at us. So I was like, oh, look, we have my friend who's got the Solarian who has a solar weapon. Get in there, Solarian. And then I ran in and took cover. And because I ran after that, everybody else got to move forward, too. It was very cool. Uh, I think get him is probably the more mathematical bonus since it's a minus one to um their ac and then they t- everybody gets plus one to hit them if i shoot them even if i miss they still get that bonus uh is like, that a status bonus n- i believe it was a circumstance bonus okay okay because this is um, this is where i think a lot of stuff's going to end up being good or not is if if it allows you to, to kind of stack it i agree i hope that they keep that i hope they keep get them as a circumstance bonus because circumstance bonuses if i remember right typically stack and I think that having the core class feature be invalidated by like other people's spells and stuff isn't very fun if you're playing the envoy. But that did not happen in that in that game. Um, so those were my big two contributions. I would I'd give people speed buffs and I would move so that they could get free movements and reposition. I would give uh, enemies a, a penalty to their armor class so my friends could hit them. And then I would try to take a pot shot every now and then so that they would get the bonus. Mm-hmm. Because you have a three action system, I could use multiple directives in a turn, but I can never do more than one lead, for example. I just didn't have the actions. Right. I would I would take, I would hazard a guess that that might be one of the higher level things that they do. Maybe like you become quickened, but you could only use quickened to use a action that's for your lead by example that is me speculating that is not me knowing anything from reading this like level three character sheet (laughs) um so uh now for that was the good very fun the meh uh navasi had a ability where like she got like a small like plus one bonus to like her skill dc dcs against specific things so like if you tried to lie to her she had plus one against it it was fine I never used it. it. the The whole the demo was a one big brawl. It didn't mm-hmm. really come up. She had an a good. She had an a, a, she, so the, there are very clearly new skill feats in Starfinder, and all of them look pretty good. One of them that Navasi had was called Intimidating Shot, where I could intimidate somebody with my gun by shooting them, and <laughs> it basically meant that uh, my intimidation role didn't have the the visual or the auditory traits. So like it was just me shooting them, but it spent a charge of my ammo. I like that. Yeah. Very cool. Once again, intimidation skill feats are the best skill feats. I hope that they, that Starfinder uses the opportunity to make some really good ones for other skills, but uh, imitation intimidation is the most powerful skill in Pathfinder 2E by a lot in terms of what the feats do. And that seems to be continuing in Starfinder, Um, which it is what it is. You know, the thing I didn't like, I don't remember what this ability is name was because it made me so mad that I forgot it. (laughs) It's got an ability that 
when your ally is targeted by an attack roll, you trigger your reaction and they get plus two. It is nimble dodge, but for your friends. So now you can make your friends experience the torment of nimble dodge. Okay, okay. Plus two though is is better than plus one. It is better than the, than the one we just went over for the mystic. It's true. Um, I think nimble dodge is also plus two though. Mm, and if 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 similar abilities can proc off the same, like if you have two different classes mm. that have reactions that allow you to get bonuses to AC as long as they're different types. Whether you could like I, group I think it. I think it was a status bonus, so I mm. don't remember. I don't know if they would stack yeah, off the top of yeah. my head. What I do know is that one thing that was very frustrating is that uh, the this encounter primarily showcased heavy AOE weapons, right? Hey, heavy AOE weapons is when you fire them, anyone you shoot has to make a reflex save against the class DC of the person shooting. Mm -hmm. That's not considered an attack roll, so I couldn't even trigger that ability at once to check it. To test it. What? Yeah. It's not considered an attack roll. You are making a reflex save against their class DC. Jenny told me that there is going to be a higher level feat that mm. lets you also trigger it against reflex saves. I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> I think I think that having my feet that already will only work 20% of the time statistically also require a feat to make it work against all types of weapons isn't great. I... <laughs> But again, I I have been saying that the nimble dodge design is not fun for literally since this game came out. I wrote an article on day one. People <laughs> told me that I was wrong. Do you remember how much yeah. they told me I was wrong? Yeah. And now everybody, like not everybody, but like the, the the online consensus agrees with me. And I'm like, where were you five years ago when they were mocking me? <laughs> <laughs> they they were sipping for nimble dodge. That's it. Oh my God, were they simping for Nimble Dodge? Ooh, <laughs> bad. Please, people, you could do so much better. <laughs> I believe in you. And how was uh, um, the other class at the table? That's a good question. So the operative is not a skill monkey. I was a million times better than that poor operative at literally anything involving skills. Mm -hmm. um, they look like they only got skills at the same rate as like a fighter, maybe this mystic. So like a pretty slower rate. Uh, they made up for it, though, by being the nastiest damage dealer I've ever seen. <laughs> Let me tell you, uh, they're planning on on including the investigator in the uh, in the remaster for the player core two next year at Gen Con. And if they don't remaster that investigator, this operative is going to put that boy in the ground forever <laughs> because <laughs> because what the investigator does is they devise a stratagem, which is basically you roll your check in advance as an action, and then you have to use the result you rolled. So uh, the, the nice thing about it is that, that instead of using an action, it becomes a free action if it's about a case that you've taken but your case can either be one specific creature, a 10-foot room, or an object, unless your GM is kind and lets the case be bigger. Mm -hmm. But by rules as default, it's a very limited thing that can be your case, and it takes 10 minutes to select a new case. So what ends up happening is that either you have a GM who doesn't know how it works, and you basically always get devise a stratagem, mm -hmm. in which case it doesn't feel good because you're rolling the die in advance and like nothing good is happening from it. You don't. It's, there's no bonus to it other than you get to use your intelligence bonus for the attack roll instead of whatever you would have normally used. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other benefit is that if it's an attack roll, uh, you get to add your precise strike damage to it, which is damage that effectively works like a rogue sneak attack, but it only triggers on things you devise a strategy against with that last action. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit higher damage, but you can't make every attack a sneak a precise strike like you could with a rogue. Um, the operative's ability is they get what's called aim. 
and aim is I take I take I pick a person, I use one action, and if my next attack targets them and hits them before the end of the turn, I do a buttload of sneak attack damage to them for free, no questions asked. <laughs> yeah, it's it's literally devise a stratagem, but without any of the extra like bells and whistles. It's devising like, a strategy. It's just that man. Yeah, <laughs> the strategy is murder, uh, <laughs> and um. Honestly, like even like playing a rogue, it's like I play a mastermind rogue where I have to recall knowledge on somebody in order to make them flat footed so I can sneak attack them. Mm -hmm. Like I could flank like a normal rogue, but I use ranged attacks. So that means I really just need to recall knowledge or doesn't work. So like it's it, it looks at this. I look at this operative and I'm like, man, this is like so good. It's very good. And then like it looks like there are still specializations. Uh, SF was a, a sniper. Uh, mm -hmm. So that looks like it's staying as a specialization choice. Uh, they had one of the, it was such a, it was such a delightfully simple special ability. Cause it looks like all of them get like a, uh, an ability that goes with it. The swashbucklers did the same thing. Mm -hmm. Their, their, their style gave them one unique ability. And SF style was called peak uh, where he could use one action to strike and then immediately take cover right. with one action. It was very good because what our operative did several times is that he would move, he would then aim, and then he would peek. So he would move somewhere, he would aim his gun, he would shoot the person, and then he would immediately hide. He would do four <laughs> actions of thing with things with three actions. It was very good. Uh, the operative looks like it's going to be brutally efficient. Uh, I'm, I'm actually pretty excited for it. Um, if the operative has any other abilities, I wouldn't know because Jake <laughs> found that play line and that is Jake spammed it. Jake, Jake, Jake was like, oh, this is really good. I'm going to spam this. And yeah, if I know anything about Jake, it's what is the quickest option to get through this dialogue tree to kill this man? Yes, exactly. And, but, but the other thing too, is like, I sat there and I'm like, you know what? Move and then trick attack to aim and then shoot. Mm -hmm. That's the quintessential operative play line. It's it's the perfect capturing of what trick attack looks like in Pathfinder in Starfinder First Edition. Yeah. So it's like it it was good. It was quality. Uh, if they have any other abilities besides those, I don't know. I didn't get to see them. The man found the the best <laughs> way to kill and killed. And I imagine that that's what the operative is going to be. It looks like it is the rogue, but very good at combat. Uh, where the rogue is already good at combat, but this is very good. It's like, I'm going to give you all, it's like, it's more like the Slayer than the rogue, Ooh. if that makes sense. Ooh, Does I that like make that. sense? Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah it, it was cool. Um, then uh, the Mystic, Tim played the Mystic. Uh, if the, the I, I we, we didn't get to see the Vitality pool in action once because Tim realized he had a chainsaw and a stick and that's all he <laughs> wanted to do. Uh, to to his credit, he did he cast uh, Grim Tendrils, a Pathfinder Second Edition spell, a couple times. But uh, if people were hurt, he told them that their blood made the best art for for Zanshalen, uh, and then swung with the Pain Glaive, and he crit with the Pain Glaive Glaive once. Let me tell you, the Pain Glaive hurts. Um, wow. Yeah, it was very good. Uh, one another thing that was really exciting that I just remembered is that FSIF's sniper rifle had the backstabber quality. Which is hilarious. And Pathfinder first second edition, backstabber is an ability where if someone is uh is flat footed to your attack, I believe is how it works, it does extra damage essentially. Oh. And uh, but that only appears on melee weapons in Pathfinder first edition. This is a sniper weapon with it. <laughs> it's 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 very cool. I'm like, oh god, he's got backstabber. She's like, Yep, yeah, he's, he's just gonna stab all, he's gonna shoot everybody in the back. 
of the head. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> I'm a monster. Yeah. Uh, so I won't go into big de detail about the mystic because we literally just went over that whole class. It's not unknown. I think I feel like instead what people want to know about is the Solarian. So it looks like how the Solarian works is that you have a favored mode, either Photon or Graviton, and like you default to that one mode when you start combat. There's a feat that lets you pick, but if you don't pick that feat, you always start in your favored mode. And some abilities specify your favorite mode so like you need that beat in order to use them in both places um it looks like you have a stellar moat like in starfinder first edition and how it works is you use an action to change that moat into a weapon mm -hmm. i only saw uh die turn it into a solarian melee weapon uh he turned it into something that was like a battle ribbon in in first edition starfinder so like it had like reach and stuff i don't know how customizable it is but it was very cool huh. um jenny seemed to imply that he could change that they, i'm sorry not he that they could change it into a ranged weapon too like a solar flare so i'm pretty sure that you can do both or if you can't do both by default there might be a feat option for it like i said that we were like level three or like level five so mm -hmm. we had a few different feats under our belts um, they had an ability where some of your abilities, you know how like you'd have to build up attunement and then you would use an ability to become unattuned and you have to build it up again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is not how the Solarian works. Instead, you start in, in an attunement. Uh, uh, that's your favorite attunement. And you can use an action to like enhance your attunement. It mm -hmm. looks like, um, uh, or it might be that no it's you start in an attunement and you could use an action to switch it or become unattuned so like if you don't like the one you're in you could always spend an action to, to change it however uh the one thing that was really cool is that um some of your abilities let you immediately cycle through oh. your attunement like so what happened was is die had an ability i think it was called shatter weapon but essentially, he's uh, they struck so hard with their solar battle ribbon that the battle ribbon exploded and had an extra effect from exploding. Oh. And that cycled them out of Photon into Graviton. Huh. Yeah. So it looks like um, the instead of it being like I pick one mode and I spam that mode, which is why most people played the Solarian in Pathfinder First Edition, usually for Photon because Photon gave the big numbers. But... Um, Instead, this one is designed to force you to switch between them, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, that does sound. Uh, that sounds yeah. really deep. I I think that I think that when the Solarian comes out, the Solarian to me looked like it's going to be a class that is thematically the same, mechanically very different, and I don't think it's going to be a bad thing. Mm. Yeah, uh, I I was pleasantly excited by it. Uh, the the person that we were playing with realized that he had a gun at one point and just started shooting the gun. And I'm like, no, please use your class feature. <laughs> no, but gun. Him. Class feature gun. Yeah, no, the class feature was gun. So the Solarians can use guns, uh, which they could do in uh in our in first edition too. But it was cool. Ultimately, I think that it was interesting. Like I said, I think that what I saw of it made me feel like this was a better. This was an an easier, more logical, and less like jarring transition between Starfinder One and Starfinder Two than like Pathfinder One and Pathfinder Two. Mm. Uh, I I jokingly said though that like oh well Pathfinder One players aren't used to their spells failing, but Starfinder One players sure are. <laughs> <laughs> so like it's not quite as big of a jump in terms of that. 
Uh, if anything, spellcasters to me feel more powerful because they're not on the six cast the six level delay that uh, they are in Starfinder. Yeah. Also, um, the different uh, actions to use spells just gives you more versatility in being a spellcaster, yeah. right? Yeah, definitely. Um, hopefully, they continue with the trend of making actions with multiple spells and giving casters choice. I think that's something that it has been a growing pain with first edition still because there's most spells still take two actions to cast. Mm -hmm. But hopefully, in time, they change that up because I think that you're right. I think that's one of the things that's really cool and interesting. Yeah, and uh, hopefully, we keep getting increasing abilities to do things. Uh, it, it, I will always say it sucks to be basically competent. Like, yeah. I like I assume because I'm this and I expect into this <laughs> that this thing will be relatively easy or yes. within my regular range and not have an outsized chance of failure. Uh, yeah, but you, but you you yeah. know what one thing that's really interesting to me though is um you talked about when we were we were going over Song of the Spheres how it didn't feel good to like mess up with the one thing with the bonus you had and like the more i'm thinking about it the, the weirder it feels compared to like the operative because the operative literally like the whole design philosophy was oh trick attack and making a skill check that was good and then failing the attack roll didn't feel good let's just get rid of the skill check like that was the whole design philosophy around that and it almost feels like that is still there with song of the spheres doesn't it yeah it, it seems like a like a weird limiter like being afraid of giving people a bonus that doesn't stack with other things it's like just give it it's yeah and it, if enemies have it oh no like it seems like there should be enough in the game that it's not breaking at that level like starfinder's math was always tight especially compared to pathfinder yeah. so definitely I, I can't see how a plus one at that level non-stacking just like would be bad i don't know it, it seems like a weird limitation i agree uh but you know what's not bad james um, following us on social media specifically at no direction podcast.com <laughs> i was thinking like pizza i've never had pizza that i didn't eat well uh speaking of things that you shouldn't eat no direction podcast.com <laughs> uh yeah so um thanks for joining us for god this is the 80th episode james i know i know it's uh, it's hard to believe it really is i know and it, only one whole year of of, uh, of no content in, in that time <laughs> yeah i think we've been doing this for like 20 what is like six seven years six years six yeah. years we've been doing this show for six years now wow. um yeah we're it, it's wild uh we've kept the spirit alive when everybody thought we would die but no, we've never died. Man, it's possible we hit 100. Yeah, what do we do for 100? How do we harm ourselves for um, content? We we get together in one room and we do the episode live in your upstairs attic and we die from the, the lack of air conditioning. Oh, it's the winter now. We'll freeze to death. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> uh, so um, thanks for joining us for NoDirectionPodcast.com. If you enjoyed this episode and you want to follow all of our exploits, uh, please check us out at the website where we have blog content every day. I think Nate just put up a new Eldritch Excursions where he was doing Transformers stuff. Pretty cool. Uh, also on that page, you can find a handy link where you can join our Discord. We're a pretty awesome Discord full of pretty awesome people that you can chat with about games. You can even chat with me and James. We're like there as people and we're not chat GPT. It's great. You can have actual social interaction with humans and not six fingered entities. <laughs> true, true. Yeah. Do you have any shout outs you want to make, James? Uh, No. 
cool uh brief shout out to jenny thank you for being an awesome gm and putting up with my millions of questions uh literally we sat there and played this game and like jenny would like read a rule and i'd be like is that rule is this the same as in pathfinder second edition because like i should know whether or not like to expect this is the same and jenny would have to go uh yes or uh no or uh ask me in a couple months it was good (laughs) uh Jenny put up with all of my shenanigans. Uh, I saw, I played with her on uh, Saturday, which meant that she had already been at the con for a full day, tired with a giant cup of coffee in front of her. And yet she still had time to put up with my nonsense. Very helpful. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. And thank you for joining us on No Direction Beyond. So until next time, go beyond with No Direction.